The How Dare You podcast is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema podcast. The How Dare You podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. Hello and welcome to the How Dare You podcast. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> No, really, we want you to listen, but we also want you to go fuck yourself as well. I, I get you every time with that one. <laughs> it's just, I just enjoy it. Like, if somebody told me to go fuck myself the way you did, I'd laugh. Even if they were serious, I'd fucking laugh. That's my special gift. Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to a How Dare You Everything Sequel Crossover Event, the Mannequin Edition. Chance here of the How Dare You Awards, joining me, both hosts, Lady Chu, say hello. Hey. How are you? I'm pretty super. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about this these movies. You should, as you should be. These have been on the list for a long time. Yeah, you can thank me later. Eh. Also joining us, of course, is Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hello, Tom. I've seen the poster. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not my response to any movie I've not seen that I'm supposed to have seen. Do you even I've know what he's talking about, you? Is that shit I say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always the movie poster. That's all I need to know. Movie poster. Got it. We were talking, I said... I said, do you even know who <laughs> Do you even know who Monty Python is? And your response was, I've seen the poster. Yeah. In the movie poster. I love that. That's We're my good. stuck response now. For any no abstract concept poster. That I, any abstract concept I've not heard of, I just say I've seen the poster. You know, the little like the little thumbnail on IMDB. That's the movie poster, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need to know. <laughs> Uh, well, why, I you know that's why I tune in. It's uh, you know, Mike, you're my friend and my podcasting partner, but but uh, I keep listening to the How Dare You podcast for the wit and wisdom of Lady Chu. <laughs> me too. Me too. Come oh, <laughs> stop making making me blush. It is under <laughs> those co those compliments are undeserved, but thank you. No, they're completely deserved. <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day. I was like, it, you don't understand. She's not a performer. She's the best thing on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I know. I heard that voicemail she left on um, <laughs> the chew you left on Robin Hood, one of the Robin Hood or all of the Robin Hood movies. It covered a lot of ground. And I was like, there's, there's no way you can perform this. No. This is, <laughs> this is, That's just her. That's this just is me. so sustained. I was upset <laughs> and confused. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And I was delighted. Well, I, I've i been wanting to talk about at least one of these movies for quite some time. And I'm glad we could do a crossover event. We are talking about uh, Mannequin. And then, of course, in our next episode, because we'll do them sequentially, Chew, we'll do Mannequin <laughs> too. You never know. <laughs> yeah, so, well, spoiler alert. 
Uh, we didn't do the Robin Hoods in order. We just pretended like we did. Okay. That's true. So, Interesting. I feel like that was a fair question. <laughs> what was? <laughs> the, do you want to say what the question was for those? those oh are, well, was, I mean, my original my original question was: Are we going to do two or one first? Yeah. Because <laughs> we've done weirder things, like the Robin. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember which one we started That's with. That's true. But it was. That's true. Not I have order. to give it to you. Well, speaking of weirder things, what do we call Mannequin 2? Because Yeah, because it's not Mannequin 2. No, In the it's movie, just... it's man- Mannequin on the Move. Mannequin on the Move on a is few the title of, the poster, of that movie. On some ex- of the posters, Except it's on posters. Two. Well, not all the posters. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it was just another Mannequin movie. That's what they should have called it. Just another Mannequin movie. Another Mannequin <laughs> could have joined our Another series. <laughs> Also, it begs the question, is that a fucking mannequin? No. No. I don't think so. I don't I don't think you get like wooden mannequins like no. like that. That's a sex doll. Yeah. <laughs> that, no. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a doll you want to fuck. And yeah. now I can't unthink it. It's a dilf. <laughs> Oh. Solid. That was good. They're both That's dilfs. a doll I'd like to fuck. They're oh, I was thinking dilfs. dummy. Either way. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The dummy is used in both movies extensively. Yeah. All right. So let's do some, because we're going to, we're, we're doing this crossover event. So let's add something from each of the podcasts. For starters, let's rank these two movies. So Lady <laughs> Chu, which of these two movies is the better movie don't fuck um, it up it's not that's not like the easiest question because like we just said it is they're the different question. movies that just happen to have mannequins in them you know well mannequin and title <laughs> yeah so you know friend of the podcast erica flora her favorite all-time movie is mannequin 2 <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which is why I initially brought this up in the past was because like you won't believe what, you know, Erica's favorite movie is Mannequin 2 of all things. That did not I was not biased towards my grading of these movies, but I think I have to go Mannequin 2 is slightly marginally better than Mannequin? What? I don't know. I see I said all of that with a question. I don't know. Wow. I I might change I'm, I'm my mind in an hour. Time. I don't know. I'm having the best time. This is like listening to the show and being on the show I'm at so the same time. I'm so fucking mad right now. Well, if it makes you feel better, I don't feel confident in my answer. Maybe you I guys can change my mind. I absolutely believe that you have a friend whose favorite movie is Mannequin 2. <laughs> <laughs> you got it wrong, Chew. Well, Damn I it. don't disagree with you. I don't but entirely agree with reasons, you. But for good reasons, Mike, don't, let's not... Like the reason, the reasoning is sound. That's the kind of shit we say on the everything sequel. They're different. <laughs> Don't judge these movies the same. Yeah. Judge them in their own right. Well, Tom, what did you I, think? I have. You think Mannequin is better? No. So uh, yeah, I think Mannequin. Okay. Is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I think Mannequin is better. Obviously, it's a better movie. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyone could see that, apart apart from seemingly you, but uh, and Erica, uh, but. Uh, it's um, I like I like the I like the reasoning. I feel like that's something we should approve of, Mike. 
because of what we do every week on everything sequel. I don't like to give her any credit for anything ever. <laughs> I get, I get maybe like once a month, like one small little piece of credit, a half credit for something. In a recent episode, I said I promised not to get mad at you because she had remembered something, and then immediately got mad at her for something. Yeah, I'll change that real quick. <laughs> the day is young. You hadn't seen. This is not my fault. You hadn't seen a Nightmare on Elm Street. It's ridiculous. No, I haven't. But well, I'm excited. I'm excited moment. to hear what what it is about the mannequin sequel. Yeah, that is um, so standout. Because I think I, I I could be convinced. I tell you now, I could be convinced. Ooh. All right. Okay. That it's better than I think it is. Not that it's a better movie than mannequin. No. Well, let's do let's do, <laughs> let's do good bad. So for for the, for both of you, Tom is Mannequin a good movie? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes really good. Sometimes very 1987, but often Some, really sometimes good. frightening, frighteningly 1987. But it's yeah. a good movie. What say you, Chu? Yeah. Uh. You know, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna stand alone with you know like good 80s movies like Breakfast Club or mm. I don't know why I'm thinking of Molly Ringwald mo- movies, but like Pretty in Pink I don't, or 16 Candles. Because that's whatever. what the 80s was full of. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Almost exclusively. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a good movie. I mean, it's banana fucking sandwich. A white girl is pretending to be Egyptian. So that's fascinating. <laughs> oh, it makes oh, sense. God, uh... That may- okay, like, sure. I'd like to know why that's the beginning of the movie. Like, does it matter? It doesn't have to. It he doesn't could just have to, sculpt it... her. He could just make the mannequin, and his artistry could bring her to life. She doesn't have to be Egyptian. Of all things. Well, this is, and it doesn't even come into play later on in the movie. Not really. Ever. Once I once I seen the whole movie, I started to think that maybe this was this was two other movies put together. Like uh, like that that the, they had two scripts. <laughs> yeah. One was a horror movie about mannequins. The uh, the other was a movie about a man falling in love with a prostitute. And basically, they combined <laughs> the two and made a romantic comedy out of it. See, I I thought of it as they shot about five minutes of a movie they thought they were gonna make that involved Egypt. And then somebody said, this is stupid. Let's just start over. And they said, well, no, we, we shot that already. We'll, we'll keep that. And we'll just change the rest of the movie. I feel like the whole concept of these movies is from Jenkins. <laughs> There's no other. Who comes up with this shit? Right. Jenkins, you've done it again. Yeah. This is, it's just, it's interesting. On at least one of them, he was right. So, Mannequin 2, good or bad? I think Mannequin 2, everyone who worked on that movie is a Jenkins. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's historically known that basically some kind of Jenkins took over the series. Yeah. I. It's not a good movie. It's not good. It's not a good movie. But you like it better than Mannequin, which you're saying is almost a good movie. I'm not sure. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I said that I didn't, I went into that movie without bias, but maybe I unintentionally did. I don't know. It's just completely fucking different. And I think that's what's throwing me. I'm trying to compare Mm. 
an apple and an orange that wants to be an apple. So I just don't know. <laughs> an orange disguised Welcome as an apple. Welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is our dilemma every single every week. Every fucking day. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's start with Mannequin. 1987, directed by Michael Gottlieb. Chew, do you recognize that last name? <laughs> what am sure. I saying? Is that what you want me to say? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure do. He's the brother of Carl Gottlieb, writer of Jaws. Okay, you. why do you ask these questions? You know I don't fucking know. Mike, but that's ridiculous. Should. Even I didn't know that. That's cruel. <laughs> I'm starting to realize not, having, not, having not Tom you're, you're here like, ruins my agenda. You're bullying by association. That's like... <laughs> Do you know it's who not Carl e- not is? Not even a name you haven't heard of. It's someone's brother you haven't yeah, heard. Yeah, we're like second cousin <laughs> twice removed. Like, no one cares. <laughs> All right, fine. I admit it. I might have gone too far. Too far. <laughs> Michael Gottlieb, director of Mannequin. He's also directed A Kid in King Arthur's Court. Uh, Mr. Nanny, starring... One wrestler we happen to know, Tom, and know well by the name of Hulk Hogan. We've done two movies starring Hulk Hogan. Correct. (laughs) Wow. I don't think I've seen any movies. Two got pretty impressed. Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and Rocky 3. I've never seen anything past the first Rocky, and definitely haven't seen the Gremlins, because they're scary. You might be okay with Gremlins 2, the new batch. So scary is not the first word I think of when I think about that movie. Okay. <laughs> exactly. You want to talk about banana sandwiches. That's a, that's a banana sandwich with a rocket <laughs> <laughs> that launches itself into your mouth and fires, fires banana out of your ear. He also directed a little movie called uh, The Shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> but No, he didn't. You made yes, that he up. he did. But strangely enough, that movie stars Cheech Marin. (laughs) There's no movie called The Shrimp on the Barbie. (laughs) I require documentation, sir. He he directed it, Tom. (laughs) This might make more sense now. He directed it under the name Alan Smithy. (laughs) Which, too, I'm sure you don't know or understand the idea behind Alan Smithy. Correct? Well, it obviously sounds made up because your last name is Smithy, supposedly. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) You want to tell her, Tom? Um, Well, traditionally, if you want to take your name off, if you're a director who hates the movie you've made and you want to take your name off it, you replace it with the name Alan Smithy. So everyone knows that you that you (laughs) took your name off and that it's going to be a a bad movie. It's basically like it's like a red flag kind of uh it's the it's the red flag name in hollywood i mean it's it's a movie with cheech marin and someone's fucking with you mike i don't no. know what website i don't know emma on. sams but it has emma sams and the tagline is she's an ice cool heiress he's hot to trot it's desire it's, down under it sounds like mannequin in australia <laughs> basically <laughs> fucking amazing all right. So, 
Let's see. Mannequin, 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Criminally low. Criminally low. People hated this movie. I gotta say, I remember... I keep talking on podcasts about this Lennon Maltin's movie guide I had as a kid. Yeah. I do remember that this was... He listed it as a bomb, which was like his lowest rating. It Mm -hmm. was just the word bomb in all caps. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And he didn't do that for all... So I always... I Like, I'd, ne- I'd never seen the movie before, and I always sort of thought that it was something I should give a pass because, you know, that was my bias, was the Lennon Malton bomb. Well, and um, I and was looking just, up... Because... I, can't, I can't understand why anyone would hate the movie so much. Exactly. Roger Ebert gave it a half a star. <laughs> a half a star. It deserves more than half a star, but... Yeah. I understand... It's a solid two-star movie. Yeah. I wonder if, because it was like 87, like all the 80s stuff in it had played out so much by that point that critics were just tired tired mm-hmm. of the same old... Because it has a lot of that, of things you get in 80s movies in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Roger so maybe Ebert, it was just too late he, in the decade for it to Roger be... Ebert wrote a line, Roger Ebert wrote a line that I think... It, is as funny as anything in the movie. He said, um, uh, Message Taylor makes the best of the gay window dresser who is an anthology of stereotypes. <laughs> and he's not wrong about that. He's not wrong about that, but he does, but he sort of misses the point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, budget of $6 million this movie, an opening weekend of $6 million. In the USA and the world, $42.7 million. This is a hit. It's a success. An absolute hit. Uh, So I think, well, let's talk, like, what would you nominate this for as a How Dare You Award? Most ridiculous concept. Yeah. Absolutely. Movie I at least wanted to see, personally. What? <laughs> not well, not in general in forever, but like, well, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be interested in seeing this movie. Oh, God. Well, that's borne out by what the critics said, right? But it's won't. not borne out by money, though. Normally, a movie's like, least wanted to see means America didn't want to see, okay. which is going to happen in our next film. This movie made $42.7 million and greenlit a sequel. Of sorts. So, no. <laughs> Of We're going to add that to our categories. It's a sequel of sorts. Yeah, it, it, it's not any kind of sequel I, I've heard Yeah, no before. Oscar winners, tell you that much. No. So I'm putting it firmly into most ridiculous concept. Porno title? <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit on the nose, but right, yeah, you know what you're getting. I mean, she does appear nude as a mannequin at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, her tits are all over the place. They're just like manhandling her torso. Yeah, like that's a person. He puts her on top of a dick <laughs> at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, that's Oops, the, wrong that's, sex. That's the kind of horror movie part. The the I strange guess. part about that was he looked down like three times before he realized there was a penis on that mannequin. Or I suppose they don't put penises on mannequins. I guess it's just a little Ken yeah, action. Yeah, just Ken doll. So in that case, how would you know? 
there's a penis on those German guys in the next movie, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have seen the penis on the mannequin than theirs. Yeah. Well, uh, Lady Chu, would you like to describe the plot for the audience of this fucking batshit movie? Ooh. Okay. I never prepare for any of this. Every single episode, I don't prepare for nothing. Not a damn thing. Okay. That comes through. Yeah. I don't really need to say that. I just, I think I'm amazed every week. I'm like, wow, I didn't, again, didn't prepare. Fucking shit. Uh, okay, so a thousand years ago. Was that what it was? That was consistent. A thousand years ago, uh, Kim Cattrall is an Egyptian. She's an Egyptian girl. I don't think she's an Egyptian princess. Um, she asked the gods to, I don't know. I don't fucking remember. They just, she wants like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Send me away. <laughs> Let me find somebody fucking cool. Okay, cool. So a thousand years later, the gods are like, hey, we got the guy. He fucking, he does windows at a department store. Banging. Awesome. Um, so he's a sculptor. Evidently, he sculpts mannequins. Fascinating, by the way. Is that a job? I don't know. I he don't want that job. at least turn out three uh, a month or every couple months. I forget. That's not a lot. Yeah. Supposed That's not to do a lot. Like- Five a week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he starts to fall in love. Not fall in love. I would say fall in lust uh, with his mm-hmm. sculpture. A little narcissistic, but okay. And then she comes to life, <laughs> and he's the only one that can see her. And so and every anybody else walks into the room, boom, mannequin Wood. again. And she's like, I've been waiting for you for forever. Bitch, how? You just... <laughs> what? Okay. Whatever. I'll take it. So... They uh they they create fucking window window shit for his job and he takes credit but really she's doing most of the work which I think is bullshit. That's true. And then um completely it is bullshit. Uh yeah bad things happen. <laughs> I think that's about it. You don't really know need to know anything else. That's it. Bad things <laughs> that's happen. That's great. Oh. All I would add is that there's nothing that a young white man in the 80s can't do that doesn't result in a promotion. Yes. Yes. He gets he gets like promoted from basically like a basement job to executive. <laughs> and every time executive it's because he's president. fucked up. Every time he's fucked up and everyone assumes that because he's white and young and it's the 1980s that that he's uh that he needs to be fast tracked to the top. Yeah. He he is promoted in the same way Mr. Burns promotes executive vice presidents. I just saw the most amazing dog, Smithers. Yeah. Promote that dog. All right. Well, let's get down to brass tacks, friends. I'm very excited to talk about grievances and positive points because there's just so many for both. What's your number, Lady Chu? Grievances. Let's talk grievances. I have a low... And conservative, 27. What? I don't I don't know. I did have a lot of both, like That's positive crazy. and, and grievance. 27. It deserved more. Even I have more, and I love this movie. What was yours? 
39 grievances. I think that's appropriate. Tom, what you got? <laughs> well, if this was the pri- price is right, you just beat me, Chew, because I got 28. Oh. <laughs> How was over. it for you, Tom? Sorry? How was it for you changing to this format, writing down grievances and positive points? It, it was, it it was. I find it. I really struggled with it. Uh, I th- I thought I thought you had the easier job. Whenever I've listened to this podcast, I thought, oh, that sounds nice. Just just saying what you like and you don't like, and counting it up, and not having to like think about, you know, made up terminology like sequel inversion and shit like that that we do. But actually, the reverse is true. It's like I f- I feel like I'm back. Like in college, I used to do quantitative data research, and that's what I feel like I'm doing. It's like, oh, I got to count up my grievances and positive points. Let's see if there's any shared between them. I've got to calculate that number. So it's, cons- I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is like a job. Um, but just fascinating, like it's to sort of do it that way instead of instead of chronologically, like you see the movie in a whole different way, and like you say, you know. You can really like a movie and still have a ton of grievances against. Yeah, it. that's what yeah. I realized. Like they're, they're they're not mutually exclusive. That you can <laughs> you can have a lot of problems with it with a movie and still leave thinking, God, I really like that. Yep, <laughs> yep. I was so surprised at how many grievances I had. And then I thought that there would be a lot of overlap. That I was sure that half of my positive points were also grievances. And then I looked at it, and it's not. Like there's like. There's like five, wow. six, seven, maybe. I have, you know, I'll just let my cat out of the bag now because I think I'm going to maybe, well, maybe it won't come as a shock at this point. But positive points, 42. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Is that high? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. That might be the most positive points ever. <laughs> oh, God. I fucking love this well, movie. Hold the phone. Hold my beer. <laughs> oh my god! Did you outbid me? Yeah. So you. So let me. I have. I have a. I have a data question for you. Yeah. When you do. Does when you have both positive. Uh, both positive points and grievances. Does that count towards the overall total of the individual categories? Yes. Okay. Then I got fifty. <laughs> Why in the fucking Twilight Zone? What is happening? <laughs> this is. This is this is the worst ever episode of the Twilight Zone, the one they did never even add. Yeah. <laughs> did you, we watch Twilight Zone, by the way, comes up in this movie. <laughs> what do you mean, Rod? This is just a lot of rambling about sequels and and, and grievances. Yeah. Um, All right, Chew. How how many positive? I guess points? I took to this task with a little too much enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. You I'm like have... the guy. It's it's like my first day, and I'm trying too hard to impress. You, you are on the right track. Yeah, I, I think, tell you. Yeah, there. No, Tom. I think you were probably on point because the fact that Chance had 42 and you had 50. I'm definitely the odd one out here. I missed something because I only have 12. Whoa, that's a lot for you, though. It is a lot because I'm a nitpicker. Yeah, I'm a nitpicker. Um, I there's I so too. much shit in this movie that I love. Small things. No thanks are necessary, switcher. 
Was that a Hollywood? No, that's that's James Spader. (laughs) As he's walking out the door, he says he saved his job while he was trying to uh, fire him. If you counted everything that certain characters say as one, I would probably have about 12 positive points as well. Well, I've got about like 15, 20 Hollywood, things that Hollywood does, things that James Spader does, things that Estelle Getty does. So... If that all counts as one, it would probably be lower, but I've I counted them all separately. <laughs> yeah, I, I count them all separately as well. Yeah. I I just didn't, you know, I probably would have had more positive points, but I just didn't feel like taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. You see what I have to put up with? I did have a... I, I, I... No, I mean, like, left. I took notes. <laughs> I just didn't want to write. I just didn't want to write anymore. It was a long day, and I had to finish it with motherfucking mannequin. So, while I was watching the movie, I did want to text, um, Chance like three or four times to to ask him if this was a teachable moment or not. <laughs> okay, Tom, that's too fucking far. <laughs> that's, that is too far. That's too far. I that's why I ultimately didn't do it because I, because then you know there would, a scene the scene would come on and I'd be like oh no this is definitely this is this is definitely a regular movie but other times I I was so enamored I I I, I you know deluded myself into thinking it might be a teachable moment. Oh, I'm so happy right now. Ugh. I tell you what, why don't we uh, take a break and then I'll we'll come back and we'll we'll dive deeper into Mannequin from 1987. How about that? Party. All right. Right after this, everyone. Let's get in that newspaper. <laughs> I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Lady Chu and Tom and I are here discussing Mannequin from 1987, directed by Carl Gottlieb's brother. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, this is an Oscar-nominated film. No. Yes. I mean, I like it, but for what? What do you think? I have no idea. Was it like a mall? Was best mall? I don't know. (laughs) 
it's not mall even a mall. In a, in a it's mo- just one department store. It is editing. Best song this movie gave us. Nothing's gonna stop us now. <laughs> that won an Oscar. Didn't win. It was nominated. Oh, it was nominated. Okay. Yeah. What? It's the same as winning, though, isn't no. it? Cause... Great song, Chew. What? What's the matter with you? It's not your techno babble, but it's great. This song was made specifically for Mannequin? Apparently Mannequin 2 as well. I was so surprised to hear that song again at the end of the credits. That is fascinating. Yes. Did not yeah, know that. Yeah, that, that's the element of continuity between the two movies. Yep. <laughs> just this it's one just thing. That, just, just that, that. in Hollywood, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> All right, so where to start? We know that she was Egyptian, and then she ended up being sculpted by him and she used to date Christopher Columbus. Uh not something you bring up. That's not a That's not no. a brag. No. <laughs> I dated history's greatest serial killer. <laughs> I guess maybe I guess maybe it is something that you you bring up in a movie like this. Right. That like begins with a man like surrounded by the arms of like naked women. Well, and I also noticed, Tom, that Andrew McCarthy is singing the song that we as the audience are hearing, but there's no, like, establishing shot of, didn't we do something recently where you you said, I can't figure out if the characters are listening to this song in the movie? I thought of you immediately when Andrew McCarthy was singing... That sounds like something I'd say. I have I actually have the same note about Mannequin and or Mannequin 2 on the move. There's a moment in that where I actually asked, where is the music coming from? Right. <laughs> so I guess it's one of, it's one of my uh, little peccadillos. So the whole front half of this movie, not front half, but the, the whole, like half of the first act is just him getting fired from jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Via montage, because Via, it's the yes. 80s. Oh, love a montage. Right? Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. This movie has one of the all-time best montages, as far as I'm concerned. Two or three of them. Yeah. Plenty. <laughs> but it comes later. But I, do uh, have, I have that as a both a grievance and a positive point, that, that uh, the montages are good, but there's a lot of them. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Me too. That was one of my doubles. I think it's funny that this movie is sort of as benign as it is. Not a lot of cursing. <laughs> like it it feels a lot of it feels very PG and yet there's a ton of sexual harassment and naked mannequin boobs. It's the 80s. Yeah. That's yeah. what you it's, do. It's so 80s. It's uh it feels like a PG movie from the eighties. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. But that's a ver- that's a different. That's all relative. Because yeah, it's like soft porn at times. Yeah. <laughs> like they fucked on all those mink coats. Like you're fucking on dead animals. Isn't that? <laughs> that's too far. Come on, guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a lot of DNA left on those coats. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. And it's like this. It's like the sex feels very sexy. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't feel like pe- like 
like even though as it goes to what you're saying mike about there's not it feels very on the surface it feels very chaste but when you get when you see sex in the movie you recognize it as sex yeah. even though they're covering up and you don't see any you know any genitals or yeah. like even real nudity uh you're just you're even partial nudity <laughs> and i look he's straight up <laughs> fucking that mannequin yeah yeah but just He's every time they're the in the sex business. scene together it was like yeah they just boned you know and it's like and <laughs> i could tell that even though i wasn't being shown it yeah even like the hammock scene like you were getting shadows right. so you can basically see them but like right. also you fucked in a hammock which is basically a sex swing which is a one step closer to porn so mannequin is porn <laughs> Oh, that's great. Also, how'd you fuck in that hammock? <laughs> that was a grievance. <laughs> it closes you up like a fucking cocoon. That's, that's not going to work. Well, here's it's going to be awkward. Th- it's one of those things they do in movies that never make sense in real life. People fucking yeah. in a hammock. People fucking on the beach. Yeah. Sex in a bath. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Have you tried having sex in a bath? It's like no. putting a whale in a bathtub. So much <laughs> sloshing of water. Like, fuck, I don't want to clean that up. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Put some <laughs> towels down in case we fuck. Uh, uh. You want to take a bath together, honey? Yeah, put some towels down, though, in case we fuck. It's like rough seas. It's just like whoosh, all this wave. Uh. It's no, no go. Absolutely not. I was I, I gotta say though Andrew, Andrew McCarthy when you see him dance you think he's probably he's probably a pretty good lover because <laughs> he he moves so well and you don't think of him like if, if just based on his acting and his character you wouldn't necessarily think he he's a he's a a, a good lover but when I saw him dance I thought eh, maybe I tell you what I thought in 1987 when I saw Andrew McCarthy at the theater. I, yeah, oh, of course. Re- in the, the redundant part. Probably of more than once. <laughs> what? <laughs> First thing I always thought was, I want those fucking bowling shoes. I still want bowling shoes based on this movie. <laughs> half red, half green, little number on the back, dancing down the street. All right. Don't you shake your head at me, Chew. Oh, what a great look. It's a Later look. In the movie. I don't know if it's great. It's Later in the look. movie, he's he's wearing shitty Nike high tops that look 20 years old. And I thought, get those things off your feet. Put on your bowling shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't even know where to go next. I mean, I mean, narratively, he he gets fired from a thousand jobs and then he meets Estelle Getty I love their their mute cute. Oh fuck, that's right. <laughs> involves his ass getting electrocuted. That was mm-hmm. a grievance. <laughs> she's she's so funny. I mean, she's not in this movie much, but she's so funny, and I love seeing that Andrew McCarthy was really laughing at her. Uh-huh. Like you know when when his character's supposed to laugh, or maybe what she character wasn't supposed to laugh, but he you can tell he's really laughing at her. Yeah. Because she's just she's her entrance is so so thoroughly funny she was a huge positive point mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the whole movie so yeah. i mean there are so many performances i think james spader yeah 
<laughs> I think I said to you, Chu, you've never seen James Spader like this. No. He disappears into that smarmy asshole, and he is sublime. Smarmy. That is, and that is exactly that. <laughs> smarmy. It's great. No thanks are necessary. Switcher. The hair, the glasses, the little cigarillo. Did you notice at the end of the movie when they're chasing everyone that at one point he he like licks his own hand and starts oh. fixing his hair? <laughs> He's the worst. That's amazing. <laughs> There's a lot there's a lot of toxic men in this movie, but he's the only man in the movie that I think is legitimately like chemically toxic. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, I mean, what do you make of the 1987 of it all? You might need to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of homophobia. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot of toxic masculinity. There's a lot of sexual harassment. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Christopher Marr, who plays Armand, who's always trying to get Roxy to have sex with him. Yeah, he's a straight up workplace predator. Oh, he's yeah. he's a complete total workplace predator, all of which is reprehensible. But the actor himself like makes him very funny. I know. When she agrees to have sex with him. And he's trying to start the car, and he's very shocked and keeps looking at her. <laughs> I, I rewound it, and I had to watch it again, because I thought he was so funny in that moment. Oh, yeah, There's... yeah. whenever he appeared in, in the movie, it was he was both a grievance and, and a positive point. Yeah, because, exactly. <laughs> because, yeah. like, it's as horrific to watch as the real-life version of that guy. But you're mining it for comedy, and no one is rejecting it enough for it to be okay. <laughs> like no right. one, like yeah. at the point at which he actually, you know, even temporarily gets the girl, that's gone too far. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. This guy should be like the only way in which this guy could justifiably be in this movie is that every time he appears, he gets kicked in the balls, <laughs> and, like thrown out of a window in every scene. Yeah. That's like the only way you can have this guy in the movie. Yeah, there's just so many HR problems with some of these characters. Yeah. Just an HR red yeah. flag. Yeah. G.W. Uh, Bailey straight up attacks Andrew McCarthy mm. at one point. Although I think G.W. Bailey, by the way, is hysterical in this movie. Yeah. You, is that the security guard? Yeah. 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 He's a positive Hated point him. For, for me. The, you hated the character, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. I, always, I, I don't hate it. him personally cuz I don't know him. <laughs> I like that he did you... I like that he was he was uh like it was again like the workplace predator reads as a workplace predator and the bigot reads as a bigot. Yeah. Like exactly. we, we never we never get to enjoy He's even called a bigot by Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of calling it out for exactly what it is which for 1987 is not a guarantee. Right. <laughs> I have a... Hang on. I have a quote here from G.W. Bailey. He said, when they made this movie, all the actors thought it was just beyond silliness. They never thought it was going to see the light of day. 
they would do outrageous double takes over lines and said that they felt like they hadn't acted like this since high school. <laughs> and the director, Michael Gottlieb, Carl Gottlieb's brother, he would say, more, more, you're going in the right direction. They never thought it was going to be released. They never thought it would be a hit. That's so, They. I mean, these guys must just, you know, good acting, good actors are good actors, I think, because, like, I never feel that about the performances. Exactly. It's like right. the characters, yeah, but I never, like, I feel like the performances are actually really grounded for this kind of thing. Yeah, and that's what. That's yeah. how I always felt about the movie. As ridiculous as James Spader and both and G.W. Bailey are, and Hollywood, all three of the performances are grounded. They are completely those characters. Yeah. Yeah, I. I so it's interesting. If you just, if you had told me that about the about Mannequin Two, right? Out of <laughs> yeah, of course. That would make more but sense. It doesn't, but it doesn't make sense. I mean, they must just all be too good. Like, even when they think they're screwing up, they're doing good work. My brain is quicker than a... Oh. Hit by the elevator doors. I also like it when he pulls his nightstick and he accidentally throws it 30 feet. That was good. Yeah. It's all good shit. I got nothing bad to say about that performance. <laughs> This movie does do some things that I wonder about. For instance, what is Andrew McCarthy's character doing with Roxy's character? How did they meet? How did they ever fall in love? Why are they together? She sucks. Right? She doesn't suck at first. (laughs) But then you see, you're like, oh, bitch. Nah, girl. (laughs) No. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a... I don't. I don't think they know what to do with that character. They definitely don't weird. want to give her a happy ending. That's for sure. No. They're happy to see her. They're happy to turn a blind eye to her while she gets molested by a. Well, she's assaulted. While she's sexually yeah. assaulted by a security guard, or sorry, the janitor, basement janitor. And then the janitor plays the security guard in the next movie. <laughs> oh, it's Andy. the same actor. Yeah. And then Playing Gale a different from, character. Yeah. And Gail from Perfume kind of looks like Roxy. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's so true. true. It's like it's like the second movie is a malarial dream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where it's like one of those kind of dreams where everyone you know is in it, but it's different people. <laughs> like you sort of recognize them, but they're in the wrong context. <laughs> We've done some tests. You have malaria. (laughs) Oh, that explains that fucking dream I had. Oh, that's great. (laughs) So at any rate, as as Chu's like summed up in her description of the plot, I I love that so much of this movie has to do with making windows. I love, I love that that windows of are all the focal things you could point. like about this movie so far: bowling shoes it's, and the I, process of making windows. I swear to God, the windows. This movie is about a mannequin me, that comes to life. I think the windows are more ridiculous than the mannequin coming to life. I love that this store 
goes from nothing to everything in the span of a week because of great windows. I love that the other store, Illustra, loses 80-some percent of its business because it doesn't have the windows. It's fantastic. I mean, I can see where you're coming from. He's in the newspaper. Yeah. (laughs) As ridiculous as the mannequin coming to life is, of all the things I could make a movie around, window displays is not at the top of the list. (laughs) Right? None. (laughs) It's not even on a list. I wouldn't even think of that. Who thought of that? Yeah. It was like Jenkins had a job before he got into the movie business. He's like, you know what job was really hard? Window displays. Shut up, Jenkins. It's so random. I used to work in a sports store, Chew. I took great pride in my window displays. I made great window displays. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Manager type people would bring other manager type people to my store to see how it's fucking done. Okay. And a competing store was going out of business because of your window displays? And everyone at that other store was scheming against you. Yep. (laughs) Tried to kidnap my my Angels jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, what else? I mean, like what? what? (laughs) Oh, by the way, my first grievance was the Olive Films. That what logo? Was that was deeply unsettling. I, I have a positive point about the logo. The the Gladden Entertainment logo. Oh, Gladden made me happy. It made me feel like I was about to watch a corporate training video on sexual harassment. It totally did. <laughs> it's the first day of work. You're in the break room. You got the coffee. You got the toasters. And someone It was turn, also turns my first positive t- point for TV the next set. movie. Because <laughs> my... Because I wrote, hey, Gladden's still alive. (laughs) Still making movies. Uh, How about you, Chu? What, uh, I mean, what did you like the most? What did you like the least? Uh, I mean, (laughs) this movie's so fucking weird at times. And yet uninteresting. Like, I did not care. You know what? I oh, I like... am never not interested in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I didn't like, or that I just wasn't interested in, was the, uh, you know, the business side of the movie. Like, the fact that Alessia wanted to buy... Yes. Wanted to buy the mall or the store. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care. I could... Like, why are we trying to make this interesting? They took... They took that boring thing and window displays and we're like, let's make them fun. Why? <laughs> There's That's so great. much scheming in this movie. So yeah. much scheming. So much, so much like business scheming. Yeah, I'm like, I, <laughs> That's I, how you know you're in the 80s, by oh, the way. Oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is how you make a comedy out of Wall Street. Well, that's it. Like, you know, I, I was nostalgic for that era of movie where the subplot is always two supporting characters scheming against the film's lead. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely agree yeah. with you. It's like, it's like I don't need to know this much about these two businesses <laughs> to to enjoy the concept of this movie. 
Um, things I really liked. I think I liked Hollywood. I think I enjoyed him. Uh, loved the car. I thought it was that, just fantastically that, ridiculous. The first time you see the car with the music barreling around the corner, loved. to me, so great. Positive point. Positive point to, to, to the hilt. Yeah. It's fucking great. And his license plate, bad girl. <laughs> Get it, sis. I believe you. <laughs> I believe it. Um, I things I thought were that were cringy that I just wanted. I had secondhand embarrassment from was uh when he got caught in intimate relations with the mannequin, and she's the she's back at the mannequin. So people are like, "You're fucking this doll, right?" You're fucking the doll. When he's kissing her in the bathroom and Hollywood walks in. Yeah. Mm. And he just like, okay, well, you know, that is what it is. Which if you're you're into what you're into. Right. And I'm not here to judge, but it was just cringy because, you know, was it the security guard walks in on him and the mannequin's like on top of him? Mm. Yeah. I wanted to escape into my own skin. <laughs> just curl up in a little cocoon. I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. Yeah. I also think about, um, like, in terms of both grievance and positive point, I really hate how much people in this store are referring to Hollywood as the fairy. I don't yeah. like that. But Big I grievance. very much like how accepting Andrew McCarthy as Jonathan Switcher is of Hollywood. Yeah. Completely and totally. It's it, Yeah, he's know. a good guy. He he is. It, it's it's in I mean Holly, Hollywood Hollywood Montrose to give him his full name is yeah. um I think probably he's the highlight highlight of both movies for me but and so many of my positive points are based around him and the performance. Yeah. And the dialogue when Switcher tries to grab him from the window and he yanks three times and Hollywood goes, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. But I like Roger Ebert. I feel like I should have this representational problem. He is like an anthology of stereotypes. If you, you right. know, if you were like a bunch of guys going out to attack a gay black guy from the fashion industry, that's what you would draw to tell the other guys who to attack. But. I don't know. They're just so. Po it's just like it's so. It's a movie that is generally and specifically with Hollywood so positive about the idea of difference. Yeah. Which again is not a given. Because also Hollywood's so accepting of him. Honey, you go ahead and do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie seems to enjoy those moments when he gets to turn the tables on the bigots, like yeah. when he fires a hose at a bunch of right. white security yeah. guards, which. <laughs> Is I don't know. It's like you know. This is only like twenty years after the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. You know when stuff like that's still happening to black people in America, and mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 it's such a powerful moment. Or see, I mean, I'm not gay or black, so I don't know. But so maybe I would have a problem with it if I was actually from that community because it is incredibly stereotypical. It ticks all the boxes, yeah. but. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like it's all. It's always this positive when you get a character like that, and it's always. It's always aff affirming the character's right to be this way. I think that's. Yeah. The, to me, that's the difference. I don't know. No, I agree. I with feel you like completely. I should have more totally. of a problem than I do, but. I also don't know what my problem would be necessarily. Apart from the, 
<laughs> apart from ticking all those boxes of yeah of, of stereotypes. stereotypes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so that's the thing about the this movie as well i mean like he's so much a part of the of everything that's happening mm-hmm. he's not just there to like he's not just like the gay best friend you know he's no yeah which is what that character sort of became in later movies i think later romantic comedies it doesn't feel that way here. Well, even in the next movie, he has to constantly leave the room that he should probably be in working. <laughs> so oh, that well, that's a so whole that other the white problem about how much he remembers be about with the non mannequin here. <laughs> yeah, he's got a very short memory. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Well. I want I, I want to talk about the let's talk about the my favorite montage is is it their first night when they're together? I love a montage that includes wardrobe changes mm-hmm. in which the characters appear to be listening to one song together. Yeah. And yet clearly hours of time have been passed <laughs> as they're in this department store. I love his sort of count on the that by the way, the organ he plays, it is the uh Largest pipe organ in the world. <laughs> I think you, you're you're treating wow. you're treating this movie like a catalog. Like <laughs> you're just like flicking through, looking at stuff you like, circling items to buy later. All I'm saying is that scene is fucking pure gold. Perfect song. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, doings are transpiring. Everything they do is wonderful and hysterical. Yeah. I love it. I enjoyed it. all of that. Yeah, I, 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 that's one of the moments of the movie that, that made me wonder how anyone could not like the movie, at least in to some degree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you have to have a pretty hard heart not to enjoy that kind of a sequence. Also, totally. when, when you if you're in the movie theater in 1987 as a teenager... <laughs> if... <laughs> we know I'm you saying, were. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about other people. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm talking to the audience right now. We know I was. Imagine but what were. a sexual awakening for Kim Cattrall. You could not fall. You could not possibly not fall in love with her, watching this movie. Yeah. She, um, she's stunning. She, she's she's stunning, and she's like clearly a star. Like. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those breakout performances, and she just glides through the movie. It's like it all looks so effortless to her, right? Exactly. And she's yeah. playing a Egyptian something uh, peasant reawakened. In... <laughs> I don't think she's. I don't know. She's an Egyptian middle class. Yeah. Woman. <laughs> because they make a big deal of the peasant girl in the next movie, and I don't think she's That's true. she's a peasant girl, but I don't think she's a... Yeah, I think you're right, Chew. I don't think she's she's a princess. I think they want to marry her off to a, to a royalty. Some... What was it? A dung? Yeah. A dung she's salesman? She's Kate Middleton. She's yeah. Egyptian Kate Middleton, basically. Oh, love that. That's perfect. Um, oh, that's good stuff. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, in in every regard, you know, just she just wows you throughout the movie. All right. Well, why don't we take a second break and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. How about that? 
Sounds good. Deal? Deal. <laughs> Alright, everyone. Right after this. <laughs> If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound. But as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target. That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Lady Chu, Tom, and myself are here trying to finish up Mannequin from 1987. The endlessly charming movie directed by Michael Gottlieb, brother of Carl Gottlieb, writer of Jaws. (laughs) And Jaws 2 and Jaws 3, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure about 4. Maybe story. We're starting to get into a territory, Chew, where you and I are going to have to start watching some movies that Tom and I have already watched. Jaws 3 and 4. Jaws is 3 and 4. They're never good. Prime examples. (laughs) I'm just grateful to be on, on a podcast discussing a movie that doesn't have a number after it. Possibly twice. Depending on how which way we go on mannequin on the move, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is like a holiday for me. Oh, good times. So, I mean, as we said, like, so you know, within the with within the narrative of the story, they are starting to make these windows together, and they're falling in love as they do it. Meanwhile. Oh, I forgot the name of the store. What's their store? I believe it's the the same store in the second movie, by the way. Prince and Company. That's Prince and Company. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's, so that's a Prince and Company yeah. and Illustra. So Prince and Company is on the rise. Illustra is failing, and now Roxy's going to try to entice Switcher to come over. Then they're going to start taking photos of him with. The mannequin to embarrass him, to blackmail him, and then they yeah. just decide to steal them. There's no way you can embarrass a man in the eighties. A white man no. in the eighties. I mean, it's yeah. like everything he does leads to a promotion. I will say He's also keep doing stupid the... stupid shit because it's it's the way it's the way to climb the ladder. I'll also say the rules uh seem a bit muddy. Not that I care. But the rules as to who can see her, when they can see her, how she can ride a motorcycle, when she can give somebody the bird while on the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, that was a grievance for me. All of it yeah. seems suspect. <laughs> I, I but, but like you, like, I'm, I'm great. For, I think the movie is successful in making you not think about the inconsistency of the rules for a large part of it. Yeah, but then occasionally it just comes into focus, and you're and you're like, wait, who can hear her? 
like who hears the talking (laughs) right yeah like in the bathroom with the ladies so they could clearly hear her right right he's talking to the dummy yeah so but you ultimately it doesn't matter but we could have used some gremlins type rules (laughs) just a rule scene maybe Well, that's the thing, is I think they thought they were doing it. She she strikes her, her surfing pose as Hollywood rocks, walks around the corner, and he, and Switcher is like, I want to introduce you. Oh, shit. And yeah. then Hollywood leaves, and she comes back to life, and she said, oh, didn't I tell you? You're the only one that can see me. And that's all they do to explain the rules. Right. That's it. Yeah, just sight. The rule is sight only, but like, but anybody can hear me if I'm talking. Mm. Behind a closed door. Yeah. And sometimes she goes half mannequin, where it's still, yeah. she's still a person, which doesn't help. No. It doesn't help with the clarity of, of what's Oh, going by on. the way, I read that one of the original mannequins they made was saved, at some point refurbished, and is still in department a department store in Philadelphia as we speak, which made me so happy. Wow. There's some poor guy who works in that department store who who stays there every night. Just still hoping. Still hoping. <laughs> it's going to come to life. For like 20 years now. <laughs> oh. There's a lot of great 80s clothes in this movie. Especially the people at Illustra. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. B.J. Wirt. <laughs> I don't know which one that was. He's the boss. He's the asshole oh, boss at Illustra. Yeah. Yeah, he was... I didn't like him. He's the toxic guy who's not the predator, as far as we know. Yeah. But probably right. but probably is a predator on his spare yeah. time. Yeah. No, I feel like he's a predator because he went and like put his arm around Roxy and like squeezed oh, her, like right. this weird side hug. I was like, you know what, bro? Absolutely fucking not. You're right. You go fuck actually. yourself. Yeah. yeah, you eat shit. <laughs> I don't like it. But, but it's uncommented on because it's 1987. Yeah. So it's right. fine. That's okay. Interesting. I like uh, the restaurant guy who calls him the flambe terrorist. <laughs> See, that that's one of those jokes that I think is so overworked in this period of 80s cinema. Like something to some kind of slapstick involving the flambe. I don't know if flambe was big, was like a, the, the, the new thing in restaurants or an old thing in restaurants that came back. I don't know. You'll see it the next year in Scrooge Exactly. Well. That's what I'm thinking of. So I, won- <laughs> I wonder whether that's like Roger Ebert and Leonard Moulton a roll in their eyes because it's like, we saw it. We, <laughs> we've seen this bit. But it's a great ga- It's a great gag. It's so funny. Flambe and a toupee. What were you going to say, Chew? I don't remember. Probably wasn't important. (laughs) Yeah, that Uh, tracks. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, Where are we at? I think we're towards the end. They steal the mannequin. So, first we have the car chase. Yeah. I hate fucking car chases. Really? You get a 30 second car chase. I just, like, I need 30 seconds. And anything past that, 
You need to stop. A car chase can't be 30 seconds. That's absurd. There's car chases in everything. Fuck. Did you hate the car chase in Cobra? I was just thinking that. It's like we're connected. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a solid car chase. Well, if the, like if, it yeah. is, but it's too long. He's also putting a lot of people's lives in danger, including his oh. own witness. Over a fucking mannequin. <laughs> Give it up. It did. Plastic. It did feel like we'd gone to like a, a real action movie for like a few minutes. Yeah. I was like, this is way too skillfully filmed for a dumb comedy. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like you don't need to put as much effort into. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but it felt like a real, like a real action. But too scene. much. Yeah. Um, and then the car got stuck up, right? Well, it hit a jump, Chew. But Either the, way. But, but, but the alley had narrowed. And that's the thing that I associate with, like, 1970s police dramas. Yeah. Like, cars getting, like, streets of San Francisco seem to always, like, end with cars getting wedged in walls and alleyways. That's a show with Michael Douglas, Chew. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the, but it's you know you meant it as a slight, but I appreciated it. So go fuck yourself. Okay? We know damn well I didn't know, but that was. I feel like such as I feel like a stereo like a stereotypical man now in enjoying that um, car chase so much as I know Mike did, because you're probably right. You don't need more than a thirty second car chase, but. Next time you Men watch a car like chase, like that. time that motherfucker. Because yeah. it's not going to be like, oh, this is a quick little car chase. It's never a quick little car chase. Yeah. The car chase is the car chase of the movie, yeah. if not one of two or three. And although I like, separately, although I like the Fast and Furious movies, I would need you to rein it back a bit. Okay? Oh, well, reining it back is not in that. <laughs> it's too late. I understand house. it's too late. <laughs> God damn it. Would you really want less... Of car action in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> then it's just you know what they need in the Fast and Furious movies more sitting in a room and talking. It would just be Vin Diesel saying the word family for yeah for twenty over minutes, and over so again. The whole movie. We've agreed. All right, we're all family. Can we rob something or save something now? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> that's great <sighs> yeah um where are we <laughs> I don't know it's really hard to know where I'm in the film using this format <laughs> but I, I'm the car chase so we had the car chase oh and yeah. then they steal her yeah uh huh but they I love also that they they don't know which one is the mannequin, so they take all the mannequins. Yeah. Let's... Also, G.W. Bailey, fucking great again. That's not the door. It's not the door. Oh, that's the door. He, he also has a, it is the door. He also has a great line. Mr. Richards, have you noticed they all sort of look alike? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's the other thing I love about the supporting characters in this movie. Individually, they're all great. When they interact, it's even better. It's great, yeah. Exactly. And the reverse is true of Mannequin too. 
would agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> Garbage disposal. Hold. Oh, I thought you were talking about scene in the movie that's what i thought <laughs> i was like i don't think it's a garbage disposal what that know. is is an industrial strata shredder <laughs> i always remembered that shredder at the end by the way because it's terrifying it's 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 so it's straight out of a horror movie it really yeah. is like it 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 raises the stakes for this movie in a way yeah. that completely and totally sells the ending. Yeah, I never thought that this was like this was the worst thing that was going to happen to her. You know, I thought that the thought would be that like they wouldn't be able to be together would be like the thing mm-hmm. that yeah. they're fighting against, not her being dismembered and <laughs> and pulped, shredded. <laughs> <laughs> In a scene, in a scene from like *License to Kill* or *Temple of Doom*, you know, it's like it, it, the movie really pulls that out, pulls that out of its ass last few minutes. Right. And the fact that Roxy mm. was the one that put her ass on the shredder mm. belt, she's the villain. That's the <laughs> ultimate villain. You have all this toxic masculinity, but no one's looking at Roxy. She's a bad bitch, and not like, oh, she's a bad bitch. No, fuck her. Yeah. You're a terrible person because you can't have what's his face. Nobody can, least of all a mannequin. Right. Bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm not She's sure bad. she realized it was a human, though, or could become human. And she didn't even get her comeuppance, which I'm even more pissed about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, she was assaulted yeah, she was sexually ex- at the end of that movie. She was sexually assaulted by a janitor. <laughs> and everyone, to, everyone looked away and let it happen. That's a pretty bad. <laughs> I think that's that's a terrible fate. That's enough. It, she it it. What 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 would what would you have, Roxy? Throw her in the fired shredder. and homeless. She she would have got bad person. Fired and oh, but she could hang out with that really great old school homeless guy who appears in the window for like ten yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy earned it. I like that you pointed too. Fired and homeless. Okay, maybe not homeless. That's fucked up, but fired for sure. And she needs like she needs an awakening. Okay, you need to reset because you're a bad person. Well, she did. She ended up in the perfume counter for the next movie. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Demotion. Re- reincarnated as Gale, who is still a bitch. So. I bet. I bet there is some like fan fiction where someone has <laughs> has kind of like put it in their head canon yeah. that. That she Roxy was reincarnated as Gale between the two movies. And this is the moment, by the way, when the pink Cadillac first shows up. This to me shows that Gottlieb also. There's something in the in editing and like music choices in this movie. Whenever G.W. Bailey says, We've got a mission, Rambo. Mm. By the way, Tom, two dogs, Rambo and Terminator. <laughs> two franchises. <laughs> We have done to franchise in our recent history. <laughs> well, not only that, but the like, like I don't often like it when I get to the punchline first. But I'll make an exception for we call him that because he draws first blood. First like I blood. said that before it even happened, <laughs> but I was grateful for that. And I also loved it when Rambo had an ice bag on his head. Oh, that's there's so much like old school 
classic Hollywood but, comedy yeah. in this movie. Or classic Hollywood everything. It's kind of interesting to me. Oh, but uh, what I was going to say was whatever he says, uh, we got a mission, Rambo. And you hear that sort of <laughs> army music yes. playing in the background. The <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> and so when, when that... When the Cadillac comes barreling, when the pink Cadillac comes barreling around the corner with the music, but it just stops after maybe a few seconds. And like everything comedically is working to me on such yeah. a high level in this movie. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Love it. Including the fast motion putting, like, covering the car. <laughs> The fast motion is a grievance. <laughs> you've got two, Mike, you've got two co-hosts, one who can't stand slow motion and one who can't stand fast motion. I know, I can't win. We just have to have a regular motion <laughs> All the time. between the two of you. Just <laughs> 24 frames a second or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked, uh, so, you know, oh, one, he go like Switcher goes into the office, and what's that asshole's name? BJ. What? Vert. Wurt. Yeah. When he says, uh, "I'm going to start you off at fifty-five thousand dollars a year," and he slams him up against the wall, and he goes, "Okay, sixty, sixty thousand a year." So fucking Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> what a business dick. Yep. Business, a lot of business. And then, but then I like the Keystone Cop shit. Absolutely. Security guards chasing Switcher around the fucking whole store. It's a classic for a reason. Right. <laughs> Just like the you know elevator face, elevator in the um, yeah. the face in the elevator door, and I list. I started. There was so much slapstick. I started listing it. Hit in the nuts. Uh, bolt gun. Right. slap. We've got a lot of good stuff here. Are you talking when Roxy hits him up beside the head? Yeah. I love that slap. <laughs> it's so funny. And there's a spinning newspaper in the movie as well. It's yep. like, it's like, it's so much, like, so much old Hollywood in it. Oh. Well, and then, so we're at the end. I mean... She turns into a real woman. Mm-hmm. I love G.W. Bailey. He keeps saying, she's the dummy. <laughs> Fucking great. So uh, this will, will this will go. I'm sure we'll go back to this. But does Hollywood know? Well, that's the thing is Hollywood never seems to recognize. <laughs> and then in the next movie. Never acknowledges. Yeah, but not until the end. Or barely acknowledges. Yeah. So I just convinced myself that he didn't know, and then, then he didn't. He tells us he knows everything. I don't know. It's so strange to me. Real, wood, whatever. That's going to be the subtitle of my pitch. Real, wood, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this, this movie is is trying to be accepting of all kinds of sexual lifestyles. I don't think it knows that that there's a bit of a difference between being gay and having sex with an inanimate object. That's the that may be where the, right. that that's probably where the limit is of this movie's yeah. tolerance. 
<laughs> oh, you know, gay, fucking a piece of wood, same thing. All, all the same. I don't know. I mean, any, any, any notes you either of you feel like you have to get off your chest? Other than maybe G.W. Bailey screaming mama as he's carried off by the cops. <laughs> it's all good shit to me. I think I was mostly, I, I'm going to say concerned, but I really wasn't that concerned with it. Is, you know, she turns into a real person and everybody can see her mm. and she's a human again. Uh, they get married is nobody like, going to ask about a social security number? That's is what I thought. Going, <laughs> I thought. I thought, how did they get a marriage license? Where is yeah. her birth certificate? What's going on? She doesn't exist until right this second, basically. Yeah. I don't know if department store window marriages are legally binding. <laughs> <laughs> or lasting. Or less. Well, that's right. the other that's the other point. They're clearly if not lasting. They're the not in the next movie. Store, why is no one talking about like the remember yes. the wedding we had in this window a couple <laughs> yeah. of years ago? That's why making it the same department store is a big problem. Oh, also, Tom, wait like all the way back to the beginning, this movie starts with a cartoon. Yeah, which we've I have... been talking a lot about lately. Oh fuck, that's and right. And I thought that maybe City Slickers was the first movie to kind of really jumpstart all the movies we'd been talking about in the '90s that start with cartoons. But 1987, yeah. cartoon, cartoon beginning. The whole intro to this movie has doesn't make any sense. <laughs> has nothing for to the do rest with anything. Of the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just we take don't it all make out. reference to any part of of that again. No. You literally could have just started with him being fired from all these jobs and it would have been fine. But the fact that you had the intro and her in being an Egyptian, what? <laughs> but you see that they <laughs> took... That's necessary. They, I'm sorry, what? They took that note for the next movie because the next movie, it's all about the fact that she's yeah. a, right. a whatever, a, what's the word they use? Intra embalmed, entranced, not embalmed. Entranced peasant girl from medieval Germany, like that plays. <laughs> yeah. That's everything to the movie. The Egyptian part that's of this true. movie is nothing to the movie. So right. obviously they they kind of learned their lesson, but they but, took a note. But but we suffered as a result. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your drinking game? Ooh, Tom, go first. Um. So, I don't I, take mine. I might. I might. I'm very excited about my drinking game. I might. I might take one of yours. Um, so, I started listing the slapstick moments because I thought that would be a good drinking game. Whenever you get a moment of old school slapstick, because mm -hmm. I counted about five or six of them. Yeah, that's which good. is usually where you know in the pocket of your uh, drinking game frequency, but. I ended up going with every. <gasps> Would well, you? Uh, you can save it. Well, okay, I'll save it then. No, you go. No, it's okay. Go okay. Ahead. Every time you see a wipe that can be done on iMovie. <laughs> That's amazing. And I counted eight. <laughs> Wait, was it this one? No, it's the next one that has the heart wipe, right? Right, but there's there's 
I only counted... Heart wipe and we're out. <laughs> I considered doing this for the other one, but it only has three wipes, and I think that's pretty low for a drinking game. Do you know what we mean by wipes, Chew? <laughs> that like the like a scene change yeah. or like yeah. a like a transition. Okay. There we yeah. go. Exactly. I, well I done. Know some I know some stuff. I didn't know well that that's what it was called. Done. But specifically, like the ones that you can do on iMovie now. Yeah. Like you get the circle, <laughs> you can do the wobbly screen, and yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So low quality. Yeah. Low budget. <laughs> well, it's like it's like something that must have been really hard if you were working with film in the 1980s. Yeah. But now you can literally do. Um, like, like, like a yeah. Mon- now one no, of those a monkey, is... you could figure it out now. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> now one of those is how Christy Swanson transitions from mannequin in quotes right. to you a real that, person. Totally do that at iMovie now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can. T- you could Christy Swanson. It should be called the Christy Swanson mannequin swipe. <laughs> All right, Chu. Do you want to go next? Uh, yes. Um, of course you do. I have two, but I think they can be used for both movies, so I'll just <laughs> stick with one. Um, Don't you do it. Uh, anytime Hollywood's glasses are different. Oh, that's, that's such a good one. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Oh. Feel good about it. Is that yours? Better no, it wasn't. Have been. Okay, good. You could franchise That's a great that. one. That's so good. That's the that's, winner. That's like franchisable. Thank you. You could yeah. put that on the DVD, Blu-ray. Well Drinking played. Yeah, exactly. That should be listed on the back. By Features. Gladden Entertainment and Olive <laughs> Features. <laughs> Widescreen format. Behind the scenes. Drinking <laughs> game. Drink every time Hollywood's glasses change. <laughs> uh. Copyright Lady Chew. 2022. Wow. I have never been praised for so That's much ridiculous, though. for that a is drinking like... game choice. That was that was obscenely good. Yeah. All right. I was excited about mine because I love between the two movies. I love how she transitions from mannequin into real person, mm. and I love that it includes a sound effect as opposed to a visual effect. So mine was every time you hear that sound effect. Oh wow! Drink. Did you count how many times that was? I'd have to go back. <sighs> Nothing. That's yeah. But it's a solid one. It's solid because it's a five to eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe even eight to ten. <laughs> Hammered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Tom, you have a credit check for this movie. Uh, no, I didn't do one for this. I just did it for the... I don't know how to do a credit check on a non-sequel movie, so... Understood. I'll All do, right. I'll do it on the next one. Very good, then. I didn't do my homework, okay? I thought that was part of... You don't have to do your homework Why well, no, here. that's why you're yeah, yeah, that's that's comfortable saying that here. <laughs> <laughs> because I've listened to the show. I know it's homework optional. <laughs> one time she didn't even finish a movie. Oh yeah! Oh, that was the Richard Dreyfus movie. Let it oh, ride. Let it ride. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't finish it. And 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 Chew, am I right in thinking that you you often don't see the credits because, uh, the the streaming platform starts the next movie, and you can't. Yeah. Stop By it. the way, you can that stop them from doing that. You can just go up back to the credits and click on them, and you can watch the credits. 
Okay, well, it happens for two reasons. One, yes, if it's streaming, then it just, like, kind of cuts to the whatever the next thing is. And two, and most importantly, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a futile pursuit. I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Anything left for either of you? No. No. <laughs> All right. Senseless. I don't want I leave on that high, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Just questioning What my a whole smashing existence. success. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have something to add to the mannequin debate, by all means, let us know. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com or how dare you podcast at gmail.com. This is great for you, Mike. You don't have to remember which one you're doing. (laughs) You both know how many times I say the other one when I'm on with you. Tom, this is the woman I'm cheating on you with. Chew, this is the man I'm cheating on you with. We have an open relationship. That's fine. Yeah, you desperately try to live a double life, but you can't keep your story straight. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't plan it well, keeping it secret. I'll tell you that much. All right, that's it, everyone. For Lady Chu and Tom Stewart, Michael Shantz, Shantz here. <laughs> yeah, you get called both by both. I get called both. <laughs> My real name and my persona chew name. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, you introduced yourself a lot as Shantz. Only in restaurants. Okay. I believe, yeah, I concede to that. (laughs) You don't have a choice. That's what happens. No, I'm just agreeing with you. I'm just letting everybody know that I believe that you're right. Excellent. For once. Let's put it to bed. (laughs) We're done. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Mannequin parentheses (laughs) to close parentheses on the move coming up next. Say goodbye, Lady Chu. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Tom. Stop being so obtuse about the concept of fear. That's another Lady Chu quote. Unfortunately, I didn't write down the context. But I think it stands alone. I said that? Stop being so obtuse about the concept of fear. I don't even know what it was in relation to, but it's like, I feel like you could put that on a, you know, like a a shitty piece of furniture and like mount it on the wall. Lady Chu, 2022. Amazing. I have no memory of saying that, but on its own, I'm like, oh wow, that could be that could be something. Right. Who said that? I think actually, me. I think actually the context would hurt. Would, would like would would damage the power of that statement if we knew yes. that so it was just probably it about yeah. one of the Robin Hood movies. <laughs> All right, take care, everyone. All three of us will be back soon.
Are we stuffing? Uh, it's a full-on tree cutter. The guy is in the bucket, 60 feet up in the air. I'm thinking they're not going away anytime soon, so we can continue, but chance you'll have an interesting time editing. Okay, should I just talk louder? More obnoxiously?